Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome to Ahead of the Crypto Curve, where we are creating Satoshi Millionaires one day at a time, one family at a time, one Bitcoin at a time, one Satoshi at a time. And ladies and gentlemen, that means you. I am your host, Naja Roberts, and it is my mission in life to lead my people out of financial slavery. Today is election day. It is November 8th, 2022. And hopefully you've already been out to the polls or you've mailed in, you've done all the things that you need to do. But if you haven't, you have a couple of hours left to make and be the change that you want to see. And so there's so many things going on. I know we've been talking about the old money with Lynn Richardson. And then we're talking about the new money, which is cryptocurrency. And then we had the lotto that <laughs> that didn't go off without a hit. Somebody won, but it, it's just really suspect that the machines would break down. But um, nevertheless, someone is now a multi-billionaire, um, less taxes and things like that. Maybe they're a thousandaire, but. You know what? We have been betting and 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 buying a lotto ticket, in my opinion, is betting as well. Um, but we have been trying to do all the things that we need to do to ensure that we get ahead just a little bit. And so getting ahead of this crypto curve is definitely something that... Um, we're really happy to be doing right now. And so since today is election day and cryptocurrency voters are people that are in crypto, which call themselves single issue crypto voters, they actually weighed in. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about voting today. We're going to talk about a major uh, investor that has been very successful in the hedge fund space and what he has decided to invest in. Now, again, this kind of toggles between the cryptocurrency space as well as the old money space, because we're getting, getting ready to talk about a traditional hedge fund and what they actually think is going to pop and where people might just secretly be putting their money. And, you know, I'm all about diversification. You need to be diversifying where you can and Bitcoin should be a part of that portfolio and some of the other products and services that go in the cryptocurrency space need to be in there along with your stock your 401ks and all those things. And so we're going to have a sneak peek at what this billionaire decided he was going to do with his entire hedge fund. And again, it doesn't have all to do with cryptocurrency, but I guarantee you, if you are stacking your Satoshis, when we lift our heads from this thing called recession, as this thing, we don't even know what it's going to end up or wind up being called because we're just now, uh, they're actually just starting to admit that we're having these situations. But when we lift our heads from this, prayerfully, everyone has began to listen, began to see the writing on the wall and really making some changes in, in making additions to their portfolio. But 
This um, is a great opportunity for us to really kind of get grounded, start to think a little bit differently about how we invest and what we're investing in and the reason that we're investing. And uh, when we come forward, we're going to actually get into the conversation about that. We're going to talk about the single issue crypto voters and what they did, especially what Muskie, if you guys don't know who Muskie is, that's Elon Musk. That's his official name for me is Muskie because uh, he is stinky sometimes. <laughs> and he got on Twitter and used the platform that he runs to tell everyone to vote Republican. And so I'm not surprised because this dude loves attention. He is the attention getter of the year award. But, um, you know, it's just really interesting how people are using different platforms to just really kind of take a, a, a hidden punch. I'll say a hidden punch because that was a hidden punch to a lot of folks to hear him say that on Twitter. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, when we come forward, we'll get into the crypto conversation and we're going to talk about some of the things and some of the places that folks are beginning to divert their funds to when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. In a moment, more with Naja Roberts as we get ahead of the crypto curve on KBLA Talk 1580. Listening to Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Roberts on KBLA Talk 1580. All right, welcome forward. So let's just get into our market update really quick and we'll just go over Bitcoin and Ethereum to keep this short because we have got a lot to talk about. So Bitcoin is down um, 4.36% since it's um, in 24 hours. And what we find is the support is at 19.4 and the resistance is at 20,000. And the Ethereum coin is down 6.20%. And we find support at 14,435 and resistance at $1,500. And so what the desk is actually seeing, our desk specifically, is that a lot of people are getting into Bitcoin. They're calling a little bit about Ethereum, and we always refer them somewhere else. But there is a massive amount of people that are just doing small daily transactions uh, in Bitcoin. And so we can really really gauge things just based on knowing that we're on a crypto winter and things aren't moving as fast as they usually do. And so we've been watching that. The U.S. equities and futures rose and the treasuries advance as investors bet on the outcomes of the midterm elections, uh, which will support a nascent rally before Thursday inflation print. And we know that's coming up on Thursday. That may offer clues to the Federal Reserve policy. The crypto markets had one of its worst nights recently. Cryptos tumbled and erased almost all of the gains from recent rally as investors raised concerns about the industry's stability after Binance's decision to sell 
all remaining FTT after news saying a large portion of the balance sheet from Bankman Freed's trading house, which is called Alameda Research, is comprised of the FTT token. And I have some more news on that, so I can just go ahead and let you all know that right now because... Binance is about to buy FTX. Now, for those of you that don't know anything about FTX, FTX was once Blockfolio. It went from Blockfolio to FTX. And before it went to FTX, Blockfolio is the platform that actually during Black History Month uh, filed our posted and sent out a push neck notification for what they called N-I-G-G-A coin. Um, and so they changed, they were supposed to make good uh, to the community, the cryptocurrency community for that unfortunate event. And I'm saying unfortunate, we know it was intentional, um, but they claimed that something real way out of the way happened. And so it changed to FTX. We've since had two clients that have had problems actually getting or finding the Bitcoin that was on the Blockfolio platform that then turned to FTX. And we have been doing emails and all sorts of things. And the bottom line is when you are a small person in this space, nobody even really takes notice. Nobody really cares about the fact that your Bitcoin is missing. And so one of the things that crypto blockchain plug desires to do is just make sure that everybody knows that they are important. Everybody gets customer service and it's not this email thing or this this online chat where you never really get a hold of somebody that can make a decision or figure out what is going on. And so FTX, we've been dealing with that for the last year, trying to get uh, an entire Bitcoin. And it doesn't sound like a lot to much, but when it's $20,000 that someone is missing, it is a lot. And so FTX, we've been going around in circles with that. But now FTX FTX is in trouble and FTX is being bought out by Binance. There was an announcement that was just made via Twitter by the CEO of Binance stating that he was going to take over uh, FTX and it was going to help solve their their illiquidity issue. Now, they're saying that they're not liquid and I just have to say, Sam, the CEO of FTX, is one of the biggest donors in this campaign, in this election campaign, putting all this money behind all of these uh, lawmakers. And so I find it strange that he's one of the biggest donors uh, from what we can see in the cryptocurrency space. And now he doesn't have enough money to keep his company solvent. And so somebody's having to buy his company and take it over. And again, there's just a lot of things that don't make a whole lot of sense. Um, But that's what's going on in this cryptocurrency space. So I would say to each and every one of you, if you have funds on FTX, which I strongly uh, 
am against you even purchasing from FTX because they did not have the decency to um, really get down to the bottom of what happened. Well, I know they got down to the bottom of it. I guess that's neither here nor there. So, but they did come up with the NIGGA coin and push that out and tell those of us black folks that were on the platform to get off the platform. So I wouldn't suggest you be on their exchange, but since you are, if you are, I would suggest that you take your Bitcoin and any other coin that you have and move it off their platform until the actual merger is done. Now, right now it says that they signed a LOI and for those of you that don't know that is a letter of intent and so if the letter of intent states that Binance could possibly buy FTX that means that there's going to be some employees that are going to be crossover that may be laid off there's going to be a whole bunch of things that happen and what you don't want is your coins your hard earned coins being caught up in the middle of that drama and that drama has been going on for the last 48 hours and it looks to be just a little bit over so I want to make sure that our community is always safe and so that's one of the biggest things I would say and suggest to those of you that may be using the FTX platform um, and so one of the things that I want to share today and I want to make sure that we don't have to break this information up is there is a gentleman that is legendary. He's an investor. His name is Burry, B-U-R-R-Y. He operates an enormous hedge fund called Scion Capital, S-C-I-O-N. And this is where I said we're kind of teeter-tottering from old money to new money because they kind of tie in in this particular situation. And so what we do know is that hedge funds do well in times like this. And why do they do good in times like this? It's because they take a bunch of different industries and hedge each one of them against the other so that the portfolio will always remain in a positive because if something fails, they've got a couple of different other things that they can fall back on to get the type of interest that they need for their investors. And most hedge funds require you to have $500,000 to allow you to participate in them. And this is not going to be much different. I'm just going to share with you something that he's been talking about. And um, but we have some we have access to a hedge fund that does not take all that. But again, that's another story. But we're going to actually talk about Michael Burry today because he did something really important um, and he's speaking volumes to investors and people are starting to listen but I have to tell you this is something in our community that we've always known about and I think I'm one of the ones that was torn between what was right and what was wrong what was ethical was not ethical and it has to do with the prison industrial complex. So let me just kind of frame this for you a little bit.
so you understand um michael burry i mean yeah michael burry has this hedge fund and typically he has a lot of different buckets under this hedge form hedge fund but he's decided just recently to get one stock for the entire portfolio now that literally made me turn my head what do you mean a hedge fund that's supposed to have all these different elements that they hedge to make sure that they're turning a profit they're going into one stock that means this gentleman is taking millions hundreds of millions of dollars and he's going into one stock hmm that is a thing that makes you say, hmm. So let me give, as I started, a little bit of history about the prison industrial complex. When you, um, prayerfully, you'll never, ever have to visit. But when folks visit uh, Twin Towers or uh, any of the other, Glen Helen in San Bernardino County, any of these counties facilities where they're arrested and they're held and they're waiting to go to court. I want to make sure that everyone is aware, and this is factual, this isn't just anything I heard, this is what I absolutely know. There are bags that your clothes are held in, like little laundry bags, the little netted bags that we take to the laundromat. Um, those netted bags are given to inmates. They're considered inmates, even though they're not gone to prison yet. They're just going back and forth to court. But it's given to them. And on the bag, it says Bob Barker. So for those of you do not know who do not know Bob Barker, that is the price is right. And what did he do with his money, ladies and gentlemen? A lot of his money was putting together and investing in the prison industrial complex. And so, yes, Mr. Bob Barker is in the prisons. I uh, know he's not with us anymore, but I will tell you that this was about a 30-year run that his family has had on benefiting off the backs of those individuals that are going into incarceration. And it's no telling what other products and services, but it just was shocking to see a bag that actually said Bob Barker and then to Google it and find out that he's into that. Well, this billionaire is taking all of his stock for his entire portfolio and he is investing it in a prison stock. Why is that? Because he is actually stating that because of the recession, because of everything that is going on, because of the inflation, that mostly everyone will, that that is not on the right side of money, meaning that has uh, at least three to six months of savings stored somewhere so that they can put their hands on it in the event of an emergency is going to find themselves in a precarious situation where they're either going to do something uh, that creates something, uh, some sort of crime. And so what they're banking on or what he is talking about is the fact that 
these individuals that are going to be short of money, social services and some of those things are not going to come through for them. And when they don't come through for them, uh, man, there's a whole lot of conversations that we can have uh, because these social services and things aren't going to come through for them. Not that they're not supposed to come through for them, but what we're finding or what we're looking at is that a lot of people are going to be denied and they're going to have to go through the appeals process. And because the appeals process is so intimidating and so daunting, a lot of the community is just going to walk away. Way. They're going to need the help, but they're going to walk away because of all the, the red tape and the things that it's going to take for them to really get what they need done in, the, in, in their households. And so as a result of that, some people are going to resort, resort to some things that they used to do or even never have done before, and it's going to push the crime level up. So what he is suggesting to most investors is to start investing in prison-type stocks. And so what we are looking at is history in the making. Again, because we don't know exactly what is going to happen, how the prime, how these these uh, elections are going to turn out, we're going to find out some of it today. We're going to find out what the feds are deciding to do on Thursday, as the as the rates are discussed and the rates are either picked up again a couple of basis points or they fall you know we don't know where this thing is going but when we do come forward we're going to really get um a of kind of a visual of what michael berry is saying and when i look at the numbers and some of the things that i'm seeing on the secret end there are a lot of people betting against our community specifically because of how tight the markets are. And so what we want to do is keep ourselves safe. And we know if people have money. And when I say safe, I'm not talking about physically safe. I'm talking about safe financially. And so um, when we come forward, we're going to get into that conversation. And then we're going to talk about uh, this single issue voting with Bitcoin. When we come forward, this is KBLA Talk 1580. A safe place to go loud, loud. loud. A great place for progressive politics. KBLA Talk 1580. Looking for legitimate political discourse? Without the bear spray? Tune in and speak out. KBLA Talk 1580. All right, welcome forward. So, as I was stating a little bit before we came forward this time, uh, Michael Burry has been giving everyone a clue, and I'm saying everyone in his community around him, those accredited investors, about what they should invest in. And when I say it was a fine line between ethical and not ethical, I think for me, I've never invested in prison stocks because I just felt like it perpetuated um, more uh, or gave them incentive to to jail more people because they want to turn a profit. And I know that a lot of our law enforcement and different individuals actually invest in prison stocks because they know the more people that are in prison, the more money that they're going to make and they can directly uh, make money off of it. And so this gentleman specifically stated 
to his community, and I'm going to say to his community, that he is buying shares in a company that profits when more people are in prison and sent to mental institutions. And as strange as that actually sounds, um, you know, it is going on. And it's been going on for years, but for now, someone to publicly that has a a very thriving hedge fund sell off all his stocks and everything else and go head all in head to toe with one stock that has to do with the imprisonment of people and mis- mental institution um mental institutions we know that something is coming down the pipe and so i just want to make sure that as we look at these cleaning of our streets, uh, helping our homeless population. Some of the things that our own government governor has stated about um, making sure that people get the mental health that they need and their whole plan. Uh, it seems like some other folks have gotten the memo as well. And so as I look at this with inflation at a 50 year high, people are struggling to afford the rising cost of living and when people can't feed their families they sadly result resort to violence and things of that sort and so a lot of the things that we've been seeing in my opinion are manufactured specifically our scarcity and we we're talking about that all the time and so what can we do to get around those things and not just always talking about the problem what are the solutions the solutions is that we have got to have our own and we have got to be economically sound because economics has all to do with everything that we deal with and I don't care what anyone says if you do not have money and thing and money just everything revolves around it everything that you want to do think have be it revolves around money now again you know I've spoken on this before you know biblically all growing up I don't know why or how this got misconstrued but the biggest misquoted scripture in the Bible it states, our people state that the Bible says money is the root of all evil. And it does not say that at all. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And I think that misquoted scripture has actually allowed our community to feel as though they um, are not in the right place doing the right thing because they have money. And we've got to make some changes in uh, in the way that we think. And um, I'm, I'm saying all these things because I was actually um, wondering if I should early on begin to invest in some of these prison stocks. And we would have made a lion's share of money for our family but we decided that you know again it went against our ethos because that would be helping them to really push the agenda of incarcerating unfortunately our folks the black and the brown community who wound up or winds up in these institutions but I will tell you that everyone is betting on the fact that this recession, what we're going through and and are going to continue to go through in the next five years, 
gets a lot of people locked up and in these mental institutions. And we've really got to be careful to make sure that our families are okay. Our youngsters specifically, um, just helping them understand the changes in money, the changes in law, the changes in policy, all of these things are like critically important to us right now. But if we can put the foundation together, so as people need help, people need assistance, they can actually come to us. I feel like we're in a good, a great place. And so I'm excited about that part. And um, that's how I'm going to tie this into cryptocurrency, because when I see something, I don't just want to not tell you all about it because it has nothing to do with cryptocurrency. You really need to have a 360 degree look at what is actually going going on, not just in our community, but in other communities and what other people are being told to get involved in. And they are secretly getting involved in our misery and our pain. And so, and as you look at that, you start to understand why they don't want police reform, why they don't want things to go in the right direction as it relates to us getting pulled over and stopped and getting a jail for infractions and all these little things is because they directly benefit from um, all of these different things, these political unrest and all these things that are happening, riots around the world. And so just don't be surprised to see more of the same. But economically, if you have your ducks in a row, you know, eventually the goal is to get our folks out of Dodge. You don't want us here. We shouldn't be here. And so I'm just a firm believer that what we do right now to plant the seed of cryptocurrency, to plant a Satoshi here, plant a Satoshi here, allow those Satoshis to grow into a big, massive massive oak tree, a hundred year oak tree that you don't sell, that you don't cut down, that you don't do anything with, but the family eats off the oak tree. And so that's what we're building when we talk about being early to this cryptocurrency space and taking a look at some of the things that other people are doing. So we know what the real game plan is and not what we think the game plan is. So when we come forward, ladies and gentlemen, we will talk about the single issue crypto voters and we'll let them weigh in on what they're doing today there's a couple of more hours uh, left for voting and so we want to make sure everyone has gotten out to do that with that ladies and gentlemen when we come forward this is kbla talk 1580 old money, old money, new, money, new money we've got you covered keep it locked to the midday money chain on kbla talk 1580 <laughs> Now, let's get back to Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Roberts on KBLA Talk 1580. All right. Welcome forward. So let's talk about single issue crypto voters since today is Election Day. The outcomes of the elections with pro and anti crypto political candidates could be determined. Determining the future of digital assets, legislation, and regulation in the United States. As voters across the United States will cast and hopefully already cast a ballots for political candidates to represent the local, state, and federal level. And for some, crypto is the main issue. 
A lot of voters took to social media amid early morning voters in certain United States states to make sure that they were proclaiming what they wanted everyone to get involved in, despite many issues that were driving people to the polls. One of the biggest ones, of course, was fair elections, gun control, abortion, digital assets are actually at the forefront of this decision-making process. And President Joe Biden's term doesn't end until 2025, but the future majority control both the House of Representatives and the the Senate currently hangs in the balance with the number of openly pro-crypto candidates that are running. And so we'll find out what that looks like in just a couple of hours. All right, so two of the thoughts that have been on my mind as I'm reading to really educate myself on what the voters, the crypto voters are talking about. Number one, they want to know what the candidate's stance is on crypto. And number two, they want to know what the candidate's stance is on decriminalizing cannabis. And both of those are Uh, Really important specifically to our communities for a lot of different reasons, especially the war on drugs and the fact that a lot of our cannabis legal cannabis companies um, are not occupied and not being allowed to even thrive uh, because of so many other things that are going on in the background. But those are two of the major issues that I can find that a lot of the people that are in the cryptocurrency space are asking these candidates. And so we'll see how this works. Through many Republican lawmakers and those in their base, they have not um, they had not until recently come out in support of crypto related regulations and policies. And I wonder if they were just saying they were into cryptocurrency so that their base can actually vote for them more. Because as you know, you know, it, it's, it's several of our democratic, uh, politicians are totally against cryptocurrency and have, you know, said exactly that and so I just really think that um, they don't they're not really in support of it but they're going to are they said what they needed to say to get the votes just like they always do and that's why I said earlier um, earlier last week that I really feel as though they're going to do the cryptocurrency space the way they do the black community. They're going to say what they need to say to get our vote, and then we don't get anything after that. In fact, I was looking back through my history of an email from a certain individual, and before some elections, I was getting emails every other day. I hadn't gotten an email in two years until just recently I started getting getting emails to start to support and send my money. And so I'm literally deleting that email or blocking it because I just really don't feel like they have done enough uh, in our community or with our community. And this certain individual just being silent over the last year and a half is just baffling to me. But with that, ladies and gentlemen, um, the cryptocurrency community is holding these politicians feet to the fire and we're going to see if they 
if their votes and them getting in office is actually consequential in this election. Um, and we're going to see exactly what they do to help businesses develop it, develop in the digital asset platform space. And um, it will determine how crypto is regulated for many, many years to come based on what happens today, believe it or not. But if we are stacking our Satoshis, we are going to be safe. So when we come forward, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into our daily dollar cost averaging. And I'm going to just read one small quote from what uh, we're talking about as it relates to cryptocurrency and voting. This is KBLA Talk 1580. You're linked to the Midday Money Chain with Lynn Richardson and Naja Roberts exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. This, we knew you'd stick around. This is LA's home for progressive talk radio. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. All right, welcome forward. And so I found a quote as I was researching this thing about cryptocurrency and the candidates that are running for different offices, it's stated, and it's been all around the internet. Democrats are more concerned about consumer protection and financial inclusiveness, where Republicans are more concerned about financial innovation and a kind of free market economy. And so that is what they're pushing. That's the narrative that they're pushing. And that's why a survey that was initiated by the asset management firm for Gray Squirrel, Gay Scale, Gay Gray Scale, I can't get that out today, in October suggested that roughly a third of the United States voters plan to consider political candidates positioned on crypto in this midterm election. According to CNN, roughly 41 million people across 47 states participated in early voting, as you all have seen. But the majority of these ballots came from voters over the age of 65. So what they're banking on is the youngsters to come in, listening to people like Elon Musk and making crypto and cannabis one of the things that they're concerned about and just taking over these elections. And so we have got to see, of course, today will tell the entire story. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't already done so, get out to vote and do what you need to do. Take care of your business and make sure that your voice is heard through the ballots. And so um, what we're going to go ahead and do is our daily dollar cost average and we are going to open up our black wall street wallet which is an app on your phone and you can do that um right now if you haven't already downloaded the app please do so and if you're looking to buy bitcoin on a bigger scale and and you need Bitcoin quick or whatever the case is, you can um, always go to cbplug.com. C is in crypto. 
B is in blockchainplug.com, and we can accommodate you there. We have personal service for you, and we take good care of our community. So, uh, but with the Black Wall Street wallet, you can take it out today, and we are going to click on the purple circle in the middle, and we are going to buy an asset. That asset is Bitcoin. We are going to click on $6 one time, and I am designating it to go in my KBLA Talk 1580 wallet that I have set up inside of here. And again, you can compartmentalize your wallet with a bunch of different Bitcoin wallets for all different sorts of things. But for the sake of this illustration, I am making sure we know what dollar cost averaging looks like on a regular basis. You know, I've got something else I want to do. I just got an epiphany as I was saying. I want to show you all also what compounding interest looks like for uh, doing this with Bitcoin as well. So maybe that'll be our next experiment when we get done with this on April 1st. But uh, we are going to click continue. And right now we are purchasing uh, our Satoshis. We're doing $6 worth of Satoshis. And as we click continue, we can see that our Bitcoin right now is at $18,631. Ladies and gentlemen, Bitcoin is on sale and we got way more Satoshis today than we did yesterday because it was at $20,600. Today is $2,000 cheaper. Man, we need to go out and buy ourselves <laughs> some more Satoshis. But uh, we're going to be uh, conservative. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to my $6 for the sake of this. And we have just bought our Satoshis. A DCA a day keeps poverty away. And I am super excited about this price. I did not expect to see the price of Bitcoin drop today. And it did. And so that just means that it's on sale. And so I want to thank each each and every one of you for rocking with me today on Ahead of the Crypto Curve, where we are creating Satoshi Millionaires one day at a time, one family at a time, one Bitcoin at a time, one Satoshi at a time. I'm your host, Naja Roberts, and we are making way for the D.L. Hughley Show on this fabulous, unapologetically progressive radio station, which is KBLA Talk 1580. Have a great day. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.